Good evening from Plunkett Studios in Largo, Florida. I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And this is episode 460 of F5 Live Refreshing Technology uh, for February 12th, 2017. The show is a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. This week, Google begins to take privacy seriously, Steam begins to take indie game development seriously, and Prince's Estate begins to take streaming music seriously. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be Facebook, iTunes, the Podcast Play app and the Windows Store right now, the myriad of podcatchers on Android, um, our homes on Livestream or Stitcher, or of course on our apps, pluggitslive.com slash apps. Uh, thank you for making us part of your day. This here is F5 Live, Refreshing Technology, the flagship show of the Plug Hits Live family of content. We are live Sunday nights at uh, about 9 p.m. Eastern time. We run for about an hour. Um, we'll talk about gadgets and gaming and internet and media. And uh, About in the middle of the show, Avram will talk to us about uh, some things you can skip if you're buying a new computer. And... Um, if you're joining us live, which you can do by going to plughitslive.com slash join us, uh, you can chat with us in the studio right now during the show, and um, you can comment on the show, uh, comment on our topics as we go, which Avram and I love to have. We love to hear people's uh, input on the topics as we go, because the show is not just us, it should be about you guys too. So definitely, uh, if you're joining us live... Uh, Keep engaged in the chat room, which, of course, you can do by going to plugitslive.com slash join us. Or if you are unable to join us on Sundays, that is okay. You can still subscribe to the show by going to F5 Live and uh, clicking on the subscribe button in the menu. For those of you who have been uh, longtime listeners, you will know that the, uh, the website changed just before CES. Actually, it happened uh, right after midnight on a New Year's Eve, and uh, I guess I guess it was New Year's morning, right? It was technically New Year's Day, and uh, we've gotten some really great comments on on the new site. So the subscribe button has changed. It's in a new place. So it's in the menu. If you're on a desktop, it's on the left. Otherwise, hit the little green button in the top left corner. It'll always take you to the subscribe button. And from there, you can subscribe to this show, to the Pilch Point, to our special events feed, which is the top one on the list right now, because there are still interviews going up, because believe it or not, we did nearly 100 individual interviews this year. So uh, they're still going up at three a day. We are 70-ish <laughs> into our, our massive data dump. Uh, onto the site um, and there's some really great ones that are up there now and some really cool ones coming up as well so definitely check that out and of course first looks um, which we're going to try something interesting here in a couple of weeks at um, the first tech challenge uh, state championship and we'll see if it works if it doesn't it's okay because at the beginning of March we have uh, the first robotics competition, Orlando Regional, where we'll be doing our live show from there. Those aren't the only special events coming up, though. Uh, we've got one hopefully coming up in May that we have not quite secured, but uh, we're really hoping that it happens because we've done it in the past. 
and you guys absolutely loved the show, and so did we. So we'll see if it happens. We're still looking for a sponsor. We'll see. Um, anyway, so those are all the shows you can subscribe to there. Avram, we've had two weeks off. How have you been? Okay. Not not too bad. I did get to see the Super Bowl last week, and uh, <laughs> oh, boy, that was an interesting Super Bowl. I'm not a big football fan, but <laughs> it was it was very interesting, and I think, uh, you know, from a tech perspective, T-Mobile just killed it with their commercials. <laughs> oh, man, their commercials were fantastic. <laughs> I was – so I was impressed with the – the halftime show, personally, uh, it was that was, halftime show was really good. I thought I thought Intel did a really great job um, with the drones. For those of you who don't know, that segment wasn't live, but it's okay. The drones were real. It was filmed at the stadium. It just wasn't done that night. Um, but the drones were real. The flag, the whole thing, that was all done with Intel uh, powered drones. And I thought that was that was a really cool. Uh, Really cool technical addition, and the kind of thing that I, I almost expect now from from Lady Gaga. Yeah, it was uh, it was a great it was a great show, uh, and there were some really and there were some really good commercials. Um, yeah, there were. I was just amazed at the variety of T-Mobile commercials because they had the one with Justin Bieber that was like silly, and then they had the ones I with the Verizon so punish me. I laughed so hard at the uh, Justin Bieber commercial. It was so dumb, but in a wonderful way. Yeah, I, you know, that one wasn't so, like, it was okay. But then when they, the second half, I don't know why they decided they didn't have these in the first half. Maybe they were too adult. The the, the two commercials with Kristen Shaw, where she's calling Verizon and asking them what punishment she gets for, yeah. for using too much data. It's like, oh, well, it's hilarious. I, I love Kristen Shaw. She, yeah. she is ridiculously funny. Her addition in 30 Rock kind of made that show and... Louise is my character on Bob's Burgers. She's she's a great comedian, and that was so up her alley. Yeah, that was fantastic. I, I love those commercials. Overall, the commercials were, in general, were kind of meh this year. But the ones that the ones that nailed it really nailed it. And like you said, T-Mobile was one of the companies that absolutely nailed it this year. Yeah. No doubt. Pro- probably the the highlight of the commercials for me was Timo, which is, you know, John Legere is really shaking up, shaking up that company. Every time you turn around, he's doing something new and crazy, and it's his personality, and it's a lot of fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, it is. It definitely is. So, have you done anything else interesting in the last two weeks, or? A yeah, a little of- bit. I've been I've been working on. Your yeah. Arduino project for one. I'm working on my Arduino project, which I'm sure looks really cool over here. But <laughs> um, I've been trying to put together, although I, mounting it has been an issue, sure. a uh, stylus arm. So what this is supposed to do, um, but it sort of does it too softly, is tap is to move and tap a tablet or a phone screen so that I can have it perform some type of a repetitive action. Uh, either for battery testing to just do this over and over till the computer, you know, till the device dies, or for speed testing, like how fast does it respond? So, um, sure, you know, I've been working on that. That's been a fun challenge. 
My next challenge that I'm working on a little bit simultaneously is to build a little web server out of this, which is my new Raspberry Pi, uh, Raspberry Pi 3. I was going to ask which one. I'm about to get one of those myself. Yeah, that, I, I mean, I would, I wouldn't get a little. I mean, the, I mean, unless you're really trying to economize. Um, one thing I really want to do with this, I'll tell us the audience. If I do it, I'm definitely going to bring it on the show and show everybody because I think it'll be super cool. I had an idea for something I really want to do with a Raspberry Pi, but I'm going to have to baby steps to get there. I want to build a wall computer that I hang by my front door, and I want it to. I want it to sync with the weather and my schedule to tell me before I leave the house in the morning, like what I need to bring with me, like make sure you bring your umbrella because it's going to rain and things like that. And then to know based on maybe my putting some like tracker tags or tile tags, RFID tags on things like, did you forget to bring this and like buzz me if I walk out the door without it? That sounds like a lot of fun. <clears throat> something sim- if I could do it. That's that's a really high end <laughs> something, thing, but something similar to that is actually why I want to get a Raspberry Pi. I've been watching um, projects for about a year um, on smart mirrors, uh, self-built smart mirrors, and um, so that's going to be my next personal project. Is I'm going to build a smart mirror. I've got most of the pieces, but I want something small. And, uh, and easy to deal with to be the brains and something that I can do uh, Windows Universal app as, as the interface uh, and a Raspberry Pi 3 running Windows 10 embedded is, is perfect uh, for that kind of an application. So that's what I've been thinking about getting a Raspberry Pi for. And so it's, it's interesting that we're both thinking in, in kind of similar terms on, on what we want to do with... <laughs> With that computer, that's a lot of fun, um, and I we saw we saw um, a production model of a smart mirror uh, as one of our interviews that I think is either published either published today or is publishing tomorrow on the website uh, where that's one of the products that we actually interviewed was uh, a production model uh, smart mirror, but at a retail price of a thousand dollars, I can probably build one for. 200 and so i'm gonna give it a shot it sounds like a lot of fun if you can build something yourself folks there's it's just a wonderful feeling it really is i haven't necessarily had that feeling yet but <laughs> <laughs> i have with software i have with sure. my, you know with things like my plugin and so it's yeah. just a great feeling to say eureka i did it so uh, even the small achievements like getting the arm to move even though it hasn't totally do what i want yet it feel feel really good but even just getting to see it move, we have a, uh, I'll tell this story real quick and then we'll get into the show. Uh, we have a group uh, here in the area led by one of our one of our friends, actually one of our team members, I think that you met at CES uh, two years ago, uh, Kevin Wolf. It's, a, it's an IoT development group. Uh, and, and so we're building, I think, Raspberry Pi based uh, soccer robots right now, kind of as a group. And it's so much fun to do these crazy little things. And, uh, and when you're all done, uh, to, to see it, it move around and be able to interact with other, with other ones. And we're going to build some, some Azure AI stuff into the, into the back so that we can actually have a couple of them play against a couple of them and maybe get better at, at playing as time goes on. And like, it's just, it's so much fun to do this stuff, even if, even if it has nothing to do with 
with your normal every day. Just doing this stuff can be so much fun. It gets your brain working in a way that's totally different from uh, from my normal. Even as a software guy, as soon as I start playing with an Arduino or a Raspberry Pi, my brain starts thinking about all of these other things like, I'm going to build a smart mirror. Sure, it's mostly software-based, but I've got to get a, a computer and i got to tear apart an LCD monitor and i got to get, you know, a one-way mirror. <laughs> all this craziness that isn't what your brain normally deals with. And it's a lot of fun to, to get something put together and feel that accomplishment. Definitely. So, um, anyway, um, we're going to get started with the show here in just a second. But um, if... Whether you're listening live or not, let us know some of the projects that you're working on. Obviously, Avram and I have talked about the stuff that we're working on, the stuff that uh, we've got in our heads for some fairly big future projects. Uh, but let us know what you guys are working on if you are uh, anything, you know, Arduino and Raspberry Pi and all that stuff, or even if it's woodworking, whatever. Let us know what you're working on. Uh, if you're in the chat room, you can do that, or of course, uh, you can find us on. Facebook and Twitter and, and interact with us there too. This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. You can save on the Surface right now. Get up to $200 off select Surface Pro 4 models. Um, obviously that's not all we've got. You can pre-order, uh, your Halo Army, uh, Xbox One Halo 2 bundle. And, uh, it's, it's a, a sleek white looking device, uh, which I really like in the, the surface, uh, the, uh, what? The Xbox One S. I love those in white. I like the original ones in black, but I love these in white. Um, with any Xbox One S console, or most consoles right now, uh, you can get an extra free game, and of course, you can save up to $700 on other select PCs. You've got all the other stuff that is Microsoft as well, Office 365, and uh, Windows Phone, the Surface, tablets, Xbox, uh, HoloLens, everything available by going to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. gotta say it's nice to have the music back in the studio for the live show uh the last one was a little weird to do without music anyway um so we've talked about it in the past we've written about it a number of times because it's a bit of a plague the uh the apps in the google play store that are questionable at best right um we probably all know somebody who has handed us their phone and you look at it and you go, why in the world do you have this on your phone? Don't you know that all this does is steals your contacts? Um, and almost certainly whoever you are, uh, you've received an email, uh, to your email address care of somebody who has accidentally or purposefully downloaded an app, not knowing what its real intentions were or what it accesses because most people don't look at the, the requirements, right? The Google Play Store tells you that it's going to access your microphone and your contacts and your data and all of that when, you, when you're downloading a flashlight. You know, that you should, you should be weary 
of a flashlight app that wants access to your contacts, but not everybody is. And that's of course a problem. You know, I, I do, I have to admit I have installed apps and whoa, I have installed apps and had the experience where you download this app, you really want to use it. And then it says like, okay, I want access to your contacts and access to a few things. And, you don't. I don't really know why it wants those things. And sometimes I think you can't deny them piecemeal. I think at one time you could, but now you can't. So you've down. Like let's say you've downloaded a game and you've taken 20 minutes to, and some of your data plan maybe even right. download this giant game. And you know if you're me, maybe you've got a toddler, a four-year-old who wants to play that game, and it says, "Oh, I want access to your contacts or your phone dialer." And you're like, hmm. I don't know what that means. Maybe there's some legit reason why right. it may need it may need that. Maybe there's a feature in there that I don't plan to use, like a social feature, that it has to pre-ask for permissions for that. Right. So it's really hard to kind of put your finger on. Like it's not just a matter of people not noticing what something is, but there may be some hidden feature in it or some feature in it that legit has a legit purpose. Like absolutely. I don't know. Maybe there's an email to a friend feature or something, and I would never sure. plan to use it, but it has to ask for your permission for that up for that access up front. So it is I think it is hard for people, you know, to say, uh, you know what, I, I don't know what this means, so I'm just gonna not install it. And so um, Google technically has a policy for the Play Store to prevent that why are you asking uh, problem. Um, all apps that access certain APIs, for example, your microphone, your camera, your photos, your contacts, your phone dialer, your Google account, those types of potentially highly sensitive collections of, of APIs, hardware, and data, um, developers are required to have a, poli a privacy policy that states, we use the microphone, here is why. We access your contacts, here is why. However, Google has never actually enforced this policy. Until now, um, a lot of developers who have, for one reason or another, not included said privacy policy uh, in their Google Play listing have received emails letting them know that on March 15th, if the privacy policy is not included or it is not accurate, their apps will be removed from the store. How will they know if it's not accurate? It's a fair question, and I don't know. Um, my guess is the first round of, of cuts will be, if you do not have it, we're going to cut your app. That, that's my guess. If it's not there at all, we're going to cut the app. And then if I had to guess the fact that they are um, suggesting inaccuracy in privacy policy, uh, they'll have some sort of a report feature or possibly uh, they're going to start looking at code in the same way that uh, Microsoft and Apple do before uh, publishing. Like Microsoft went and did a whole big purge uh, recently of apps from all of their app stores, whether it be, you know, phone seven or eight, um, Windows eight, Windows 10. They did a whole big purge if you did not have all of the inc included information or it was not correct. They did a whole big purge on it. So my guess is um, they'll Google might have something like that where they've built a thing where they scan 
the uh, the APKs for where you're accessing the data and what you're doing with it. So um, I think this is obviously uh, a great step. Um, so long as the information is actually accurate, this, this will be uh, a great step for the Play Store because uh, this currently this affects uh, millions of applications that could on March 15th just disappear. Um, because even like high profile normal apps have ignored this policy for so long because Google has ignored this policy for so long. That like even high profile apps just are like, ah, eh, it's not worth the time. So they just don't include it themselves. So um, I think this I think this is gonna be good. Um, because we all we all know that the the number of weird uh, questionable things in the Play Store um, far outweighs that of of the other two. Um, and it's probably because Google has not been strict on enforcing their policies and here they're saying that's it we're going to be strict on enforcing our policies so if they actually follow through on it i think this will be really good for for android users especially as android and android apps are coming to more places right because you've got you've got android powered televisions you've got uh chrome os that's now able to run android apps and the last thing you want is for your uh your laptop data to all of a sudden be accessed when you weren't expecting it, right? So, because uh, you're gonna potentially have a lot more uh, hazardous data <laughs> to yeah, yourself no. on on your laptop than on your phone, even. Yeah, no, no question. So, I think this is a good move. Um, it's been a long time coming, and it's a move that I totally support. Good for them for for finally stepping up on it. This week's Pilch Point with Abram Pilch is proudly powered by Monster Products. Headphones on my head right now, the Monster Elements, available in a number of colors. They are uh, wired, traditional 8th inch wired. They are Bluetooth. They have USB Digital Direct. They can come off your Android phone, your, uh, your iPhone, all kinds of uh, Windows powered devices. Uh, so direct digital audio with a digital analog converter in the headphones, all kinds of uh, Bluetooth speakers from the little tiny hotshot to the giant monster blaster, um, which we've shown off on the show in the past. Um, and of course, all the cables and power needs uh, solutions that you could possibly need. We use uh, monster power uh, here in the studio for all of our stuff, the uh, the offices as well. Uh, that clean power is totally a win. To to find out about all of the headphone speakers and uh, power accessories, you can go to f5live.tv/monster. And that music, of course, means that it is time for the Pilch Point with online editorial director of Laptop Magazine and Tom's Guide, Avram Pilch. Avram. Hey. How are you? Good. Good. 
exciting times. We've got a lot going on at Tom's Guide and Laptop Mag, of course. Uh, lots of new laptops coming and have come in, uh, including we were talking about before uh, Samsung's, uh, we were talking about before Chrome, Chrome OS now running Android apps. We just reviewed the Samsung Chromebook, uh, pro, which con which is the first when it comes out, I guess will be the first with, uh, with Google, with, uh, Google play store preloaded. Okay. Um, so far it's in beta and not, not in a very rough beta at that, but we can see where things are going. So I do encourage people to go check out the review on our site. Now, if you're in the market for, if you're in the market for a laptop today, um, there's a good chance that you want to save some money. <laughs> I can't blame you if you do. Uh, you know, we a lot of people send us uh, manufacturers send us laptops to review that are eight hundred, nine hundred, a thousand plus dollars. But the average uh, selling price for a PC laptop uh, in the U.S. is under four hundred and fifty dollars. So most people are spending are, are trying to economize and who could blame them sure when you're looking for when you're shopping around and you're looking for a laptop there's a few things and i have a list of 10 of them on, on laptopmag.com that you can that are nice to have features that you can uh, avoid you can ignore or get a laptop without them and save yourself a few and probably save yourself a few bucks in the process now these are all nice features. I'm not saying don't get them, but they but you can economize by cutting these corners. Yeah. The, so the, the point here isn't these are features to skip. These are features that aren't required to have a great laptop experience on a budget. Exactly. Got it. So, for example, one that that really stands out to me is Core i7 processor. If you're familiar with Intel processors, you know that the mainstream processors are Core i3, i5, and i7. Um, and depending on what laptop you're looking for, they could be the quad-core series, or they could be the low-power series, or, the, or they could be the sort of mainstream U series, most likely. Forgetting the series for a second, Core i5 is, is the mainstream processor that you want. I, Core i7 is a small step above that in terms of performance, but most people won't notice the difference. And you're talking about maybe, in a lot of cases, $200 to $300 difference in cost uh, to get something with Core i7 over i5, um, particularly when you're configuring a laptop like you can at some sites like Dell and Lenovo. The cost to move up from i5 to i7 can be, can be quite significant. So that's one corner that you can definitely cut Another corner to, that you can uh, to, to put that into perspective for those of you who are watching the uh, surface that sits on the desk in front of me uh, during all shows is an i5. Yeah, so the surface is a great example. The price difference right now between a Surface Pro four on Microsoft.com between a Surface Pro four with a Core i5 and a Core i7 is I think three hundred and fifty bucks, mm -hmm. which the same exact specs, everything everything else is the same. But an i5 27 is a $350 delta. Right. I mean, that's a lot of money for maybe it crunches numbers a little better when you're doing spreadsheets. Yeah. Now, I, listen. Like, if you're if you're going to be doing, like, hardcore development and photo stuff, maybe, you know, maybe the difference between a 5 and a 7 is something to consider. But, you know, for an 
an average consumer, the difference, like you're saying, between a, an i5 and an i7 is... Or, or even an average productivity worker. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, another another thing that you know that is something that you can cut back on in, in that respect. And this isn't a choice people have a lot, in ter- unless you're buying a gaming system. Buying a gaming system, you're obviously going to get it. But discrete graphics, a discrete graphics card. Um, if you play games, if you do 3D modeling, if you do major professional video editing or photo editing then yes, discrete graphics and NVIDIA card and AMD card makes a lot of sense for you. If you do not do those things, you don't need discrete graphics. And I've seen a lot of a lot of laptops that either charge extra or they're touting very heavily that it's maybe a seven or $800 consumer laptop and it comes with, say, an NVIDIA 940 card. An NVIDIA 940 card is like, this tiny bit better than your regular, if at all, than your regular integrated graphics. It won't even really let you play the ga- games. So, to be honest, you really, I mean, and that's something that you might be saving 50, 100 bucks, whatever, not to get discrete graphics unless you really need it. Um, another feature that is a nice to have, and listen, it is nice to have, don't, don't get me wrong, is... Uh, is um, biometrics, biometric login, whether it's through uh, an infrared camera that does facial login with Windows Hello or a fingerprint reader. Um, now, some systems just throw those things in, and that's fine. That's that's nice. Uh, but I wouldn't pay extra for a fing- for the ability to log into a computer using Windows Hello, uh, which is what you get if you have um, either an infrared camera, which not all webcams are that's kind of specialized feature or or a fingerprint reader you can do it via fingerprint um obviously it's very convenient with windows 10 you have the windows hello feature that lets you log in with a finger or with your face uh, but it's just a convenience it's not really a good security feature uh in my view because you still have to have a password so you don't have to type the password because you can look in the computer to log you in. But if the goal is to stop a hacker or someone who steals your from stealing your password and logging in as you, well, the password still works. So all you're really doing with these with these is not improving your security. It's just saving you the few seconds of typing a password. Uh, and if you're a good typist, it might not save you that much time at all. So it's it's more um, about convenience than it is really about security. Yeah. So I think that's something people need to realize. Um, finally, and we have a list of a bunch of and, bunch of other things. And I'll, I'll uh, throw in real quick with the creators update um, and the ability to uh, do the Bluetooth pairing between a, a phone and the computer as you're, I'm I'm close. You uh, you can unlock. Uh, even that, the convenience is just there now. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's more. So that would be that's just standard anyway. So right. like. You can do that with any blue, with pretty much any Bluetooth device, right? Yeah. So um, it, it it'll be uh it'll be phone to computer uh, at least in the beginning, uh, but yeah, I mean it's it's easy enough to uh at, at that point you know the convenience of a fingerprint reader for an extra fifty dollars kind of goes out the door <laughs> if the it, convenience is being added in a different way. Yeah, yeah. Actually, Bluetooth is better, right? Because you don't have to touch anything. Right. So that that would be even better. Um, the other the other thing, and we've got a list of 10 of these on laptopmag.com. I, it's on our homepage. I encourage folks to visit. Um, 
that I'll mention here is a touch screen on a laptop that's not a two-in-one. If you're converting your laptop to a tablet, of course you need a touchscreen. In fact, you can't get one without a touchscreen. Sure. That would be crazy. But if you have a regular clamshell laptop that does not go into tablet mode, does not detach the tablet, paying extra for touchscreen is a mistake. You're, you're reaching across. I mean, how much do you really want to reach across and poke at the screen in the first place? If you're paying extra for that, not only are you spending money on something that you don't need that badly, but you're degrading the battery life because in almost all cases, the touchscreen gets even two or three hours less battery life right. than the same laptop without a touchscreen. So um, that's one that you can you can easily skip. Absolutely, and uh, and obviously the rest of the list is is available at laptopmag.com. Yes, so you can and you can check out all of our other coverage of laptops on laptopmag.com. And all of our coverage of other gadgets, including robot toys, go to Toy Fair next week on Tom'sGuide.com. Fantastic. Well, obviously for the uh, for the main show, you'll be sticking around. But as for the pilch point, uh, thanks as always for bringing uh, information like that. Obviously, it's it's always good to help uh, consumers make educated decisions about their purchasing decisions. Very important. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Razer. All of the gaming accessories that you could need to really up your game are available uh, from Razer. Whether it be um, a high precision mouse or a keyboard with really, really great mechanical feedback, um, a, a webcam with built-in uh, green screening, uh, or, you know, just gaming-based apparel, whatever it is uh, that you're looking for to up your game, you can find by going to f5live.tv slash Razor. One of my favorite Razor things is my uh, computer case for my editing machine. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about. Um, we're going to talk about Steam for a little bit. Um, if you're a uh, regular Steam user, you have at some point or another encountered Greenlight, which was uh, Steam's kind of first attempt at uh, interacting with indie developers um, in a way that allowed Valve to feel like Steam was a curated content store-ish. Um, so basically the way it worked was uh, devs would pay a fee and then could pitch their game to the Greenlight community, who would then uh, vote, and the ones that got uh, enough votes would then be featured on the Steam store. Now, obviously, there's some problems there. First, uh, it's a little bit like playing the lottery, right? You're paying a fee to, um, to maybe win, <laughs> which is <laughs> a little strange. Um, and then the fact that people are voting on games 
that they haven't played it is also strange um that that seems to make things uh difficult or a little on the on the uneducated decision side of things right um kind of like uh backing a game on kickstarter or indiegogo or something like that you don't really know what the game's gonna be you're just crossing your fingers and hoping um and in this case you've got even less um skin of the game because there's you as a gamer have no money in it anyway so um valve has decided that this feature is um a thing of the past and in spring of 2017 it will be gone and will be replaced instead by steam direct which is a non-curated indie game store. Um, basically, it's going to work like uh, Apple's App Store, Google Play, the Windows Store. You'll pay a fee to have a developer account. You'll publish your games and you'll sell them for a, a price that you set. Well, that's a whole lot easier. It's a whole lot more direct, as the name suggests. Um, and it allows gamers to have an educated decision on their on their buying decision because uh, Valve offers a money-back guarantee now, 30-day, right? Um, at following in the, the footsteps of what uh, EA did with Origin. And so if you hate the game, you, uh, you get credit to go buy something else. So this really puts all of the responsibility on the developers but also then gives uh, more developers or even hobbyists the ability to build something and publish it in a place that people will find it. Which I think is a nice change of pace, right? Yep. Well, you know, look, you want to have a marketplace where people can publish. And I think that's, I think that's good because Steam, Steam is the platform that is the premier platform for PC gaming. Absolutely. So, you know, I think we all want to see a mark, a more open marketplace where smaller publishers can come in and can come in with their games and feel like they have the ability to get into the marketplace and, and do their own promotion and like be, be in the place where people want, you know, people are shopping. Right. So people are looking for games. So, I think I think it's good that they're able to get in and it's it's more of an open platform. Um, you know, there's no point for making it such an exclusive club. Uh, I mean, I feel this way about all the about all the app stores. So I think there's a trade-off. Uh, there's always a trade-off, sure. right? Because people criticized uh, the Play Store for being too open. Um, now maybe they were too open with some security things, but at the same time, you know, at the same time. If you want to put an app in there and you think your app is good, but it actually turns out to be to be a crappy app, you know that's for the shoppers to decide. The market that's will the, make that determination. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know how true this still is, but I know that it used to be the case with with the Apple App Store that like they would put out guidelines saying, "Oh, we don't want this kind of app because we think that the built-in iOS app is better," or we already have enough fart apps, so don't give us any more. They stepped like, on. They stepped on Google Voice for a long time on iOS uh, because they said it duplicated uh, too many built-in features. 
let the marketplace decide. Right. Let the let the users decide. Yeah, I think so. You know, Apple has always taken a very tight stand. Google's always taken a very wide stance, and Microsoft found a kind of a a safe middle ground where they don't care about the content of the app, just the quality of the app. Right? They don't. Okay, it's another dialer. We don't care. Um, and I think, I think that's where where Valve is going with with Steam Direct is that that safe middle ground where they're not going to be. They used to be the App Store. They they used to be tighter than the App Store, um, where it wasn't just them deciding whether or not a game deserved to be in the market. Mm-hmm. Other people, the the buyers also had to say, yeah, we want this in the store. So they were like even further to the right <laughs> than Apple was on that. And then uh, now I think they're moving to the, to, to the Microsoft middle ground um, because my guess is part of why they're doing this is um, the ability to uh, build a game in Unity and then publish it in the Windows store is had the had the potential to uh to undermine steam pretty quickly um and you know uh gabe has done everything in his power to uh to to undermine the the legitimacy of the windows store for gaming uh right down to saying gamers should avoid windows 8 despite the fact because games won't work on windows 8 which was such a weird thing to say he's done so much to like undermine the windows store as a gaming platform and now uh that xbox is like hardcore on windows 10 i think he had to do something uh official to to compete with the uh the ease of publish of the windows store and i think this is a smart move because it's where gamers already are and if you're gonna if you're gonna compete with the ease of publishing a game to the windows store this is the way to do it by going with a a similar approach so um obviously we'll see it'll take a little time before we see it in action it'll be uh it'll be spring that's all we know spring 2017 what does that mean i don't know ask samsung because it means the same thing to them uh who knows uh but uh uh, it'll happen sometime in the first half of the year, and uh, we'll see how it goes. My guess is that you'll see an immediate flood of games, and then a bit of a taper off, um, and you'll start to see quality stuff. But at first, you're going to just see like a flood of stuff, but then it'll calm down, and we'll start to see a more uh, normal approach <laughs> to game deployment so but who knows when it comes to valve there's no predicting how things are going to go so oh good for them agreed This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live is proudly powered by Rift Tracks. Make fun of movies or, you know, let the professionals do it for you because that's what they get paid to do. The guys who used to do Mystery Science Theater 3000 are back and doing what they do best, making fun of movies from blockbusters to um, Replica, which currently appears to be a video of a television which certainly makes it sound like a great movie. And those are the best 
for them to make you laugh. The way it usually works is for a couple of dollars, you download the MP3, play it along with your DVD, Netflix, Amazon, wherever the movie happens to live, and laugh. Of course, um, stuff like this, uh, or Birdemic, or something like that, you're probably not going to easily get your hands on the DVD. The good news is you can download the entire movies uh, right from the site. And of course, from time to time, they do live events as well. Um, the the last live event uh, was last year, but uh, they've got some new ones coming up in 2017. They have not officially announced any of the live shows, but that is okay. They are always a tremendous amount of fun. You can find out what movies, what MP3s, and uh, what live shows are coming up by going to f5live.tv slash tracks with an X. All right, so we've talked about it before. We'll continue to talk about it until one way or another it's resolved. Uh, Twitter's in trouble. Uh, like, like Abram and I have talked about a couple of times in the past, trying to build as a, as a product is a little strange. And, you know, right up until their IPO, they didn't even have a business plan. They didn't even know... Like, they didn't even have a game plan on how they were going to make revenue. And all of that is still evident today uh, because they posted their fourth quarter numbers and they had an increase in sales from this quarter last year. Uh, 1% <laughs> up to $717 million in sales. But they also had an increase in losses from 90 to 167 million. Um, and yes, that's an 86% increase. And it is also 25% of their sales. What, what are their operating costs? Why, what do they do? What are they paying for? I have never figured that out. I mean, where, where's the money going? It's not like, I don't understand, because like Twitter. Is a pretty. I mean, take a step back, and Twitter is actually the most relevant it's probably ever been right now. Absolutely, be because it's so. Because now, I decry this because it seems like the biggest form of lazy journalism ever to report on what people are tweeting. Uh huh. But now you have major politicians, such as the president, tweeting out things of of simply because. He said, "I'm uh, great public importance." So, you know, the platform and, and has never not. been, you know, yes. But <laughs> the the point the point is that like there's a lot of attention being paid sure. to what people say on Twitter, what all kinds of people say on Twitter. Absolutely. In fact, I read from what Twitter I can, now. From what I can tell, the the two groups that seem to be most enamored with Twitter are the president and the news. Yeah. Uh, yes, true, true that. So, but you know, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of people using it. It's, it is become a good way to, in a way I actually use Twitter as a news feed now because I get so much, so much information from it from people linking things on it. Um, so, you know, it's never been more relevant. I don't know what their traffic numbers are, but I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's, people are using it like crazy. Especially Still, in the last six months. 
But so where's where's the expense coming from? Seven hundred seventeen million dollars of sales. They have to pay for some servers and people to run them. Sure. They don't do much moderation, despite people's complaint about it. Right. They you don't. Know, I, they don't do a, a tremendous amount of of new development. I mean, they merged two sections into one uh, a couple of months ago. But I mean, that's not. Yeah, I don't think they're doing. I mean, what are they doing? I mean, they had Vine and they killed it, right? Right. So, and then they change moments periodically. Like that's not. It's not exactly rocket science. I over know. There. I and the I whole can't figure out where all that money goes. And the whole concept isn't rocket science. It's a feed of text of of limited text items. I know. I mean, if, what is the big deal? I could program that. I was going to say, if you and I sat down and really focused on it, we could have it done by the show next week, probably. Yeah, I'm it's, sure we could. It's simply now, not that complex of a thing. It, it's not a very... I don't... You know, obviously, it's not the idea. It's the somehow getting it to be popular, which I don't understand how they did it. But now it is... But, uh, you know, it is very popular and will continue to be very popular, I suppose. So... How do they? Why do they even need? Like, where's the money going? I, where is not, where is seven hundred and seventeen million dollars in sales plus a hundred and sixty-seven million dollars in loss for a total of eight hundred and eighty-four million dollars? Where is that going in ninety days? Well, that's just for the. That's crazy. What are they spending on? I, I think there has to be I think it has to be some kind of a, an issue of the man, of management because how many people do you really need to run it? I mean, pri- primarily, you probably just need infrastructure people and infrastructure people and salespeople. And you need a couple of people to do the verified by Twitter thing. Boom. There's your business. If you're making seven hundred seventeen million dollars in sales, that's actually sounds pretty good to me. You yeah. know, that's a that's actually a lot of money. I think the problem is that they're spending too much money. Absolutely. I mean, considering what they are, considering what they do, $717 million is a lot of money. I mean, what are the advertising opportunities? Every few posts you see a sponsored one. Right. I mean, it's, it's not a particularly rich, uh, rich platform for advertising. Right. Uh, and if they wanted to do the things that would make it a more rich platform for advertising, they would probably destroy it. Like, you know, having people, get all kinds of crazy alerts that they didn't want. Sure. Um, just just so, to do the math for you. Uh, if you take that number and divide it by the 90 days and a quarter, that's $9.8 million a day. That's crazy, man. I know. I That's that, that that's crazy. The, the, I don't know. I, I'd, I'd love to know where the money, where the money goes. Cause that's, that's, that's crazy wasteful. I mean, it's a very, it's a very modest business. Like, Facebook, and if maybe if they were more modest about what their business is, they would do better. Like maybe if they were just like, look, we're just we're just a platform for these for these text, you know, text and, and photo and video things. Um, you know, let's not let's not think too highly of ourselves. Let's do what we do well. I mean, that also has to beg the question: like, why wouldn't why didn't anybody want to buy them when they were up for sale? Right. That. That worried me that there was so much interest for a while from a number of companies that you and I both thought had some 
you know, could potentially have some interesting ideas for the data. Ignore trying to make a profit on Twitter because whatever. But, you know, Google, Microsoft, Amazon, but- you know, those companies could could find a way to monetize the to make the data profitable for them. And so, so therefore, theoretically, make the purchase profitable. And they all walked away. So 700. But that's crazy, too, because 717 million dollars in sales. And let's say you multiply that over out over a year. That's like almost $3 billion in sales a year. That's that's a lot of money. I know. And they're losing money on that. And and big businesses don't think they can don't think that they can milk that cash cow when it's bringing in $3 billion a year in sales with obviously not optimal management. Right. I, I, I mean, know. Google Google takes that over and puts AdSense and merges the Twitter advertising with AdSense. And then and then uses Twitter's, you know, direct access to Twitter's data through something like stream analytics to improve uh, search results and trending topics in Google Plus. And there's there's so many places where where a company like Google could have turned what happens on Twitter into bettering their whole ecosystem. And they're like, you know what? No, this this purchase isn't for us. That scares me that there's something else happening inside of Twitter that we can't see that they were exposed to. And they're like, oh, no, this isn't worth trying to fix. Well, they need to get whoever the people are who sold, who got who got Verizon to buy Yahoo to help them. Right. Because Verizon bought Yahoo and it seems like they've had buyers or more ever since. So, yeah, like the that Tuesday, they're like, oh, that was a bad idea. (laughs) And here we are months and months later. And they're still like, I don't know. That might not have been good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't understand it. I really don't. Uh, I mean, Twitter, I, I've never understood why Twitter is popular, but you can't deny how important it is right now uh, as a medium. So, you know, I, I can't imagine them going out of business. That's for sure. Right. Absolutely. Um, but I... There's obviously something going on that we don't know. They're a publicly traded company, so there's some information that can be that can be gained because the information is is made available. But I don't think they're going to go. Hey, so we uh we have this giant money pit in Arizona that we just pour cash into every quarter. <laughs> Which I mean, at at that kind of rate, it seems like the only explanation. The bottom of the pit, there are a whole bunch of ET cartridges. Yeah, right? Oh, I'm sorry. That was New Mexico. Right? That was New Mexico. <laughs> it's a grand tradition. This week's DRM not included on F5 Live is proudly powered by Groove. All the music you love play ad-free from one of the largest catalogs on the planet. You can listen on your PC, tablet, Xbox, web, smartphone, doesn't matter, Android, iOS, Windows, Windows Phone, wherever you are, it's available. You can create playlists, use what used to be called Smart DJ to create custom radio stations based on artists and tracks that you like. Um, And right now, uh, we have for you a 30-day free trial 
by going to f5live.tv slash groove. And staying in that topic, <laughs> uh, there have been a number of artists over the last, I don't know, let's say two years, that have spoken either loudly or strangely against uh, streaming music. The most famous of which, of course, was uh, Taylor Swift, who said that, uh, that streaming music was an insult to artists and then signed an exclusive deal with Tidal, uh, which was strange. Um, another artist to do something similar was Prince. Abram has his hand raised. No, I was just going to say it occurs to me that right now as we're talking, the Grammys are on. Yes, they are. And and I remember last year's Grammys. Was it last year or the year before? I'm so old now, the years blend. But there there was a, somebody gave a speech. Uh, I think it was Common and someone from the recording industry talking about how terrible the rates were in the middle of the Grammys. Yes. Saying something like, is your favorite music worth a penny? Um. But then, strangely, comments and something like support us by signing up for a streaming service. So right. it was a little, little contradictory. Yeah, and and that's kind of the the situation with Taylor Swift, who's like, you know, the streaming services don't are are offensive. They don't pay, uh, they don't pay artists what it's worth, and then uh, put all of her music on Title, who uh, is struggling to get anybody to sign up, and that wasn't enough to get people to do it. Um, Prince did something similar in 2015. He pulled all of his music from uh, streaming services and then uh, <laughs> signed a deal with Tidal. And um, it obviously didn't work out because Tidal is still in trouble and they seem to have about 18 subscribers if you don't count whatever's happening with Sprint. Um, but the thing is, a lo- you know... Um, uh who was it um Kanye made a similar move claimed that his his new album would only ever be available on Tidal you couldn't buy you couldn't buy it on CD or on vinyl you couldn't listen to it on Groove or on uh Apple Music and then um it seemed like about an hour later he changed his mind as most of the artists tend to do because do you take the 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 penny from from Amazon or do you use a s- service that doesn't have any subscribers? Anyway, so Prince, however, never went back. Obviously, he then uh, passed away from an accidental overdose, and his estate got into a bit of financial trouble. Uh, <clears throat> apparently, like Prince didn't do anything in in concern that something might happen one day. And uh, so his estate is on the hook for a hundred plus million dollars in estate taxes because of the 200 plus million dollars that they received after his death in things. But you can't like Avery and I were talking about before the show, you can't pay your estate taxes in purple guitars and, and uh, candelabras. You have to pay it with a check. And so the estate as of today, it, today is Sunday. As of today, uh, Prince's music is back on streaming services. 
because they are trying to figure out a way to pay that $100 million plus dollars in estate taxes. And, of course, <laughs> this will reignite the conversation of art versus profit. <sighs> I... I feel for the artists a little bit because I see I see as someone who makes content, although I would hardly call our articles art, um, you know, who makes content, seeing that sort of devaluation of original content, sure. whether it's writing or music or movies or videos, whatever. Like obviously, it's becoming much more commoditized, and people are earning less and less money uh, for their creative efforts. So that's that's kind of that's kind of sad. However, apparently in 2016, we saw an increase in physical uh, media sales, just not in CDs. Yeah, vinyl. Apparently vinyl is, uh, I read that, vinyl is vinyl is up. What have they sold? Something like a, a lot of vinyl. In France, vinyl sales were higher than CD sales in 2016. Good, good for them. Um <laughs> You know, good good for I mean, good for everybody who who likes. I mean, I know some people at work at my job who like vinyl. Sure. I I am just not. And I had this conversation with uh, my coworker Henry Casey the other day. He he was trying on some. We get headphones review, and he was trying on some. I think three hundred dollars Bose headphones, and he said, you know, he normally wouldn't have spent that kind of money on headphones. Now he's a believer because he could hear more different instruments or different sound separation with the better quality headphones. Yep. And so if you're spending more on headphones and you're spending more, you know, you got to spend more in the music. You want, if you want things that are pure or a higher bit rate, I have a 10 foil ear. I was the only kid in my school not allowed in chorus because I had no musical ability <laughs> or, or listening ability whatsoever. So I I'm, I'm really happy with the minimum you know, um, so with the streaming service at whatever the bit rate is with headphone with comfortable, but not necessarily expensive headphones. Um, and I think a lot of people probably feel feel that way. So, you know, streaming services are great for that. Mm-hmm. I remember, uh, you know, to the millennials in the audience, I remember back in the day and then maybe they do, too. I don't know, uh, you know, going to the store because you wanted to you wanted to buy an album and you spend like 15, maybe even $18 for a CD and you would only, you get it and you're like, there's only one song on here that I like. And I just paid $18 for this thing. Uh huh. And, and I have to get a stereo that has a CD changer thing so that I can change it to that one song. Yep. And then the good songs on the other four albums that are in the changer. Right. So, it's, you know, I know people who bought greatest hits albums just to have all the hits on the same disc. Yeah, so you didn't have to have five different discs in to hear the couple of songs that you love. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think, you know, I think that right there is what led to Napster, the original, not Rhapsody. I think I think that is what what led to Napster was like the the feeling of of insult of paying $18 and finding out you only liked one track and then wanting to be able to interact with the music that you do have in a in an easier more direct way and obviously Napster is what led to 
the online services, Pandora and things like that, which are what led to Groove and Apple Music and Tidal. I think artists, but artists, you know, musical artists are still kind of, and probably record companies too are still in that album mentality. Uh-huh. I don't think they should come out with albums anymore. I agree. I mean, I haven't seen this happen, but I think it should happen. Even even in this world of streaming, it hasn't happened yet because I think most of the major artists are still coming out with a whole album at a time. I mean, I think Weird Al did something where he'd release a couple of songs early, but then they'd end up on an album. Yeah. Like, it should really be just like, I have a good song, I'm going to release it now. You know, it's, it's interesting. We, we talked about him at the top of the show, and we get to talk about him again now. Uh, the one artist that I've seen do that is Justin Bieber. He did like eight, eight tracks or something that all came out over a weird period of time. They didn't have anything to do with one another. They weren't an album. He just like seemed to release them as they were ready. He's the, well, he's the obvious example of it that I can see in my head. Cause I remember that's them the only out good weird. thing I can say about Justin Bieber. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that cause I'm not a close follower of his career, but I guess that's his one good thing <laughs> I can say about Justin Bieber. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's the, th- I think people says for a long time, but I think that the nature of the district of music service is going to have to change. Yeah. Uh, maybe the thing is to try and come out with that one really good song and either give somebody an exclusive for a while or sell the song for a while, like, and then put it on streaming, like maybe treat music more like you treat Netflix. Sure. You know, like, like, but I have to say as a consumer of music, it's great. It's, it's much better than what we get with Netflix and Hulu and Amazon prime, because there you get sort of a smattering of stuff like, Oh, you know, I, I rarely go to Netflix and see something that I was actually looking for. It's like, oh, okay, here's this thing I didn't really know I want to watch. I'm paying for this anyway. I guess I'll watch it, <laughs> which is why I have really mixed feelings about it. But, you know, and although occasionally they'll come out with an original show like Stranger Things, you're like, oh, wow, this is why I have to keep this. Uh, I think it's the original programming that's kept me on Netflix the last year or so. But aside from that aside, like, you go to Spotify or Groove or something, and it's like whatever you're searching for, except for Prince and now Prince, uh, you could find it. Actually, for a while, I was very upset because for a while, or for up until I think last year, there was no ACDC. You, uh, ACDC was also off streaming. Got it. They didn't like streaming, and then they came to streaming. Um, you know, yeah, which is which for me was good, uh, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, I, I'm actually excited about the Prince, too, because I like Prince. So, you know, but I like him, but I don't like him enough to go and buy his whole catalog of albums. Right. You know, in fact, the beauty of this is I try to think of I try to think of the streaming price that we pay compared to CDs or, you know, buying a, an album. It's like, oh, it's like less than if I bought an album, one album every month. Right. To have access to almost every album. Exactly. In a, you know, in a in a really like big and wonderful way. So as a consumer of music, I love it. For that for the artists, I understand their pain. You know, I really do. I mean, I remember when people were all down on um on Lars Ulrich of Metallica for complaining about people ripping music, like not not streaming it for pay, but you know, but like distributing it illegally. Right. Uh, and I 
I get it. Like I get why you know. Absolutely. I get why he. I I didn't get it at the time so much. I get it now. Like Metallica is going to be fine no matter what. They don't probably don't have to ever work again. They have so much money. But for other artists, like you know, they probably not. You know, people think they're living high off the hog, but maybe not all of them are. Right. You know, for every Taylor Swift that you know that could probably stop working today and you know and, and be comfortable for the rest of her life, there there's people who are who have the album that's like you know maybe they had that one hit or maybe they had right. no hits right but they've had a steady career of making albums right absolutely yeah so um it'll be interesting because a lot of people in uh back to prince in particular there have been a lot of people uh like big fans who have who have made the comment that this isn't something that prince would have wanted it'll be interesting to see if those people uh still stream his music Yes, they wouldn't. Have, he wouldn't have wanted it, but at the same time, here it is. You, you know, <laughs> listen to you know, it it is, you know, it is what it, it is what it is. So absolutely, I I I for one will be listening to Little Red Corvette at work tomorrow. <laughs> you know, which is my son's favorite Prince song. But is it nice? Well, that is our show. Uh, Thank you for those of you who have joined us live in the chat room, uh, which you can do again by going to plugitslive.com slash join us. For those of you who have not joined us live, that is okay. Thank you for, uh, for subscribing, which you can do by going to f5live.tv, clicking the, uh, the subscribe menu, either on the left-hand side or uh, up in the green button in the top left corner. Uh, obviously, we appreciate you joining us. There's a lot of content out there. Um, right now especially in our special events feed we're about 70 interviews into uh publishing our ces stuff and there's a lot of really interesting stuff in there um we recently uh published uh some some action cameras and there's all kinds of fun stuff in there so definitely go check it out uh you can do that plugitslive.com slash ces and um our ces contest is running right now if you go to our twitter or our instagram uh account plug hits live and uh like or share or whatever the rules say on the particular platform um our post you'll be entered to win um a bunch of of ces related stuff um a backpack a couple of bags from a couple of the companies uh some flash drives and uh, a couple of shirts a little bit of little bit of everything so uh so definitely go check that out um it's it should be pinned on twitter and uh we don't post a whole lot on instagram so it should be pretty easy to find uh at plug Hits live on both um anyway so uh we're back into the normal groove of things so we'll definitely uh be back uh week after week we do have um our first looks show coming up or uh, in a couple of weeks, which will throw things off a little bit. Uh, we've got the state championship for first tech challenge in two weeks, but other than that, we're kind of back to normal. And so uh, I guess with that, on uh, behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Avram. And we will see you guys back next week. Ciao.